1: Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Nor as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where me, Hank, and my brother, John, tell you stuff about ourselves, answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon.
0: How you doing, John? I'm doing really well. Um, you might remember that last week I expressed concern that the uh, sort of post-Taylor Swift um, Indianapolis weather might be fading. Uh, Taylor Swift came to town several weeks ago and brought with her the most beautiful weather the city of Indianapolis has ever seen. But somehow, um, her her memory uh, it looms large, and we've had yet another astonishingly beautiful. Uh, beautiful early fall week i'm I'm writing every day outside uh walking down to the white river and and sitting in a chair down by the white river and writing my new story and it it just it it couldn't be better that sounds lovely how are you i'm
1: good i'm busy Uh, nerdcon as of the recording of this podcast is several days away by the time it goes online it will have happened and so i can't tell you how it went but uh but maybe i will say something about that on twitter or on my snapchat
0: Hank Gre on Snapchat. I mean, the hardest working Snapchat promo game in the world. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm literally
1: about to get on a plane to go to Minneapolis. I I uh, was working all night on Wizard School Kickstarter stuff, not all night, but a lot. And then and then in my off time, I've been listening to podcasts, reading books, and and watching The Americans. Have you seen this oh. show, John?
0: Oh, have I seen that show? In fact, the reason you're watching it is because I have recommended it to you.
1: That's not true. Uh, it, I first started watching because Michael Gardner and Colin recommended it to me. They kept talking about it in the office, and I was like, that looks like fun,
0: and I can't do it with what you. What do you think of it? It's great. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. Oh, that show is It is, is good is television just, programming. It is candy for people of my generation. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know? They give me the cars of my childhood, they give me the two great empires battling each other in quiet and secret of my childhood. Everything that was great and terrible about my childhood is contained inside that show, and also, it is the best television program I have ever seen about marriage, about real people being actually married it is such a good marriage show
1: yeah well it's remarkably good yeah uh john you know i remember asking mom once when i was like like six saying when did the cold war end and mom being like oh no honey that's still happening
0: yeah no the cold war lasted until uh you know until i was about 12 years old uh, with the fall of the Berlin Wall, although in some ways, I mean, you would, you could argue that the Cold War continues. I mean, we continue to have indeed uh, these proxy wars between the United States and and Russia. We had them, you know, in the eighties in Afghanistan, and then here we are, uh, thirty years later, um, you know, having having uh, two uh, heavily armed groups, heavily funded by the United States and Russia, fighting in Syria. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We still seem to not get along that well with Russia despite all of our best attempts indeed John, do you have a short poem for us I do um okay how great is the Americans I mean i, I, I it might be the best show I've ever seen on TV <laughs>
1: oh let's but, right but we can move on though right I guess
0: I, I why don't we have a why don't we have an Americans recap podcast can't believe that. <laughs> I would need to get cable. Today's short poem is called uh, Discoveries in Arizona by James Wright. Uh, It has one of those little uh, notes from the author before the poem. Hank, I don't know if you know those notes, but the the, the note is, all my life so far I have been afraid of cactus, spiders, rattlesnakes. The tall 14-year-old boy who led me through the desert whispered, come over this way. Picking my steps carefully over an earth strangely familiar... I found four small holes, large enough for a root that might have been torn out, or a black snake hole in Ohio that I hated. What is it, I said, some cute prairie dog or an abandoned post hole, maybe? No, he said. She's down there with her children. She doesn't hate you. She's not afraid. She's probably asleep. She's probably keeping warm with something I don't know about. And all I know is sometimes in sunlight, two brown legs reach out. It is hard to get a look at her face. Even in the museum, she turns away. I don't know where she's looking. I have lived all my life in terror of a tarantula, and yet I have never even seen a tarantula turn her face away from me. That's all right, said the boy. Maybe she's never seen you either. Discoveries in Arizona by James Wright. Bit of a longer short poem for today, Hank, but I thought you might like it because it's got some nature in it. I know that you're pro-nature.
1: You're right. I did like it. It gave me goosebumps.
0: Oh, wow. It's a massive victory. Well, if you thought that was exciting, (laughs) wait till the news from AFC Wimbledon.
1: (laughs) Well, before we do that, we have about 40 minutes of talking about
0: people's problems. How does that sound? Yes, but it will be cut down to 20. Um, (laughs) All right. This question comes from Maddie. She writes, Dear John and Hank, I am wondering about YouTube ads. Do I have to watch the whole thing for the creator to benefit? Also, if I'm watching an ad for a product or company I don't support, but a channel that I do want to support, what should I do? Would it even make a difference if I skip the ad? Great question, Maddie, And one near and dear to our hearts as YouTube creators. (laughs) How did you know? Uh, I know a ridiculous
1: amount about this topic uh, and no one knows how much of an ad on YouTube, you need to watch before the creator gets paid. Uh, that is a that is a secret that uh, no no one knows the answer to. Uh, but. If you skip it immediately, the creator does not get paid. If you watch an advertisement for a product that you dislike, or a service, or a a political candidate that you do not like, uh, that isn't bad, that isn't good for the the service, or the candidate, or, or whatever. That's actually only good for the creator, and it's actually kind of bad for the product, or service, because they're paying to have you look at that and it is not affecting you in the way that they would like to affect you. So if right, so just sit through those awful terrifying terrifying, don't actually do that. No, because advertising is a terrible way to support creators and it's, that is not the reason you should be watching ads.
0: Yeah, my response here would be to value your time. Um, and uh, yes. And if that means uh, watching an ad because you're interested in it and it seems like a good use of your time, then that's fine. If it if it doesn't, uh, you shouldn't feel a responsibility to watch an advertisement to support a YouTube creator because, in my opinion, at least, like it's just an incredibly inefficient way to support the YouTube creator. Like, I would probably be better off with you sending me a dollar every six months oh no Than with you watching you would be better off with them sending you a dollar every three years right i would be better off i'm really bad at math Maddie. i apologize i would be better off <laughs> with you sending me one dollar every three years than with you watching an ad on every single video uh that i make so um save that dollar um save your time of not watching ads, um, maybe do some uh, do do some work. Uh, try try to get five minutes of work at Starbucks or something, <laughs> or, and then send me that dollar. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, or, this is something. Or, that, or it, this is something that Hank and I uh, kind of worried and thought a lot about because it used to be that most of our um, income came from or a lot of our income uh, came from ads but uh, we've found that it's just such an inefficient way to support YouTube creators and it ultimately like it introduces um, you know someone into the conversation who I don't really want to be in the conversation Uh, and so we've found other ways to to make a living and now all the ad revenue from vlogbrothers just goes to support educational projects into the charity uh, the foundation to decrease world suck so but even then, I don't think it's, quote unquote, worth it to your time to, to watch an ad unless you yeah. want to.
1: So if you want to support a YouTube creator, buy their things, buy a shirt, buy a poster, buy a book, Buy that that's the way to do it. And you get a thing. So that's good. We've got another question. This one is from Paulina, who says, here's one for the dubious advice. Uh, Probably she meant to say, Dear Hank and John, here's one for the dubious advice. Do you think it's okay for a college-aged or otherwise adult person to sleep with a stuffed animal? Uh, She's got got an attachment to a a loved bear uh, named Longnose. Yes. And uh, uh, here's the important part. I still feel like I have to have him with me, but I don't want anyone to see him and be creeped out or think I'm immature or something. Do you have any dubious advice? I'm gonna be totally honest with you, Paulina. From where I sit in my chair right now as a 35-year-old man podcasting, I could reach out and touch my childhood sleep animal, Dexter the Black-Footed Ferret. So I'm gonna be a yes on this one.
0: I am also a yes. Also, I'm a huge fan of Dexter the Black-Footed Ferret. I remember uh, the Christmas that he came into our lives and he just- I do too, yeah. He became part of our family. Um, it, It was really, you know, my mom, my dad, my brother, uh, our terrible dog, Red Green, uh, myself, <laughs> and Dexter the black-footed ferret, and and yeah, I mean, I guess I would say that anybody uh, anybody who judges you for uh, whatever thing you do to find. Uh, Comfort and warmth in this world that isn't illegal and doesn't hurt anybody—that um, that says more about them than it says about you.
1: Yeah, I think being an adult is is whatever you want it to be, and uh, and, and a lot of it is being confident in being able to make uh, those kinds of decisions and do the kinds of things that aren't things that people would expect or that seem like adult things to do. And that's like one of the greatest parts of being an adult and having that confidence. Uh, and security uh, is difficult to come by, but you should try and embrace it when you can get it. And, uh, and I will say that the thing that you are find the object that you are finding enjoyable and that might be bringing you comfort or security or whatever is a lot less silly than some of the other objects that people enjoy that bring them security and happen to cost tens of or hundreds of thousands of dollars.
0: So, uh, Hank, we've got another question. This one is uh, from a proper adult um, who writes, Dear John and Hank... I would like your advice on my 17-year-old daughter. She wakes at 3 or 4 in the afternoon, reaches for the internet, and remains on it until 3 or 4 the following morning. She neglects her studies, spends her time watching you to the point where she knows the ornaments on your shelf. Advice? Question mark. Yours, Concerned London Father. Well, Concerned London Father, I... I appreciate that you are concerned in this situation and I think that your concern is real and legitimate but I want to begin by asking you uh, a question a question that is very important to me which is are you going to the AFC Wimbledon game this Saturday? Because you're in London, you have every opportunity to do so, and let me also encourage you to bring your daughter to that game because it's a wonderful way to bond, and the thrill of fourth-tier English football will make it absolutely impossible for her to look at her phone. So that's where I think we should start.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I uh, Yeah, I mean, you first... Start at the point of uh, believing that the thing that the person you love is into is legitimate, uh, and then uh, work back from there and uh, and worry about not what they are spending their time doing, but what they are not spending their time doing. Um, so if this question had said, had said my, my daughter is having a hard time sleeping and is, is neglecting her studies, uh, that is the exact same thing I'm reading here. What she's doing instead of that is like, I assume either uh, something that she very much enjoys or something that uh, or, or that she has just like a, you know, she's in a, a funk, she's in a bad place and she needs uh, to, you know, she, she, she needs support and she needs love in, in a difficult time in her life.
0: I agree. But I think that the real key here is to make sure that you get to King's Meadow on Saturday afternoon at 3 PM. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, John, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that I'm not and never was a teenage girl. It sounds like hard work.
0: Well, I don't I don't recall being a teenage boy being particularly easy. No.
1: Agreed. Agreed, but I think that it in in the end might be easier.
0: Uh, I, yeah, I mean it it well, it there's no question that in general, uh, you know, there are all kinds of structural privileges for men, but um <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. I I greatly disliked Being a teenager or I guess I wouldn't say I simply disliked it I just found it tremendously uh, difficult and stressful and scary and overwhelming and I had no idea what I was doing Um, uh, there's a great uh, line from a sociologist uh, I think his name is Clifford Geertz but I apologize if it's not anyway he wrote uh, the difference between dogs and people is that dogs know how to be dogs (laughs) Um, and when I was 16 more than anything else I I felt that I was a person who had no idea how to be a person
1: I feel you. I still don't really know how to be a person. I
0: basically just do whatever comes across my plate. That is exactly the same approach to life that dogs take. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I did it, John. I figured out how to be a person.
1: Um, All right. We got another question. This one is from Stephanie. I hope that was helpful, Concerned London Father. I feel a little bit like we belittled your position, but... uh, you
0: know. no I'm not trying to belittle the position at all I would I would just say that like the the concerns are real um, the concern of you know neglecting uh, your studies feeling disengaged from your family and your life like those are big problems not sleeping enough that's a big problem the problem I would argue though is not is not the internet. Um, I don't think the internet is causing those problems. So um, I think the key is just going to be to try to find a way uh, to engage with your daughter. Like, for instance, taking her to the football. (laughs) Okay, this question... I'm not backing down off my advice because I think it's one of the rare cases where my advice is excellent.
1: Well, everybody else who's listening in London, you got to get yourself out to the pitch and watch...
0: The game. Not only that, Hank, but you can join the Don's Trust and become a, an owner of AFC <laughs> right. Wimbledon for like if you are if you are a student for like twenty bucks uh, for like fifteen oh. pounds. All right. Anyway, today's podcast is brought okay. to you by AFC Wimbledon. AFC Wimbledon, the greatest football club in the history of the world, and also the solution to all your problems. Today's podcast is brought to you by Dexter the Blackfooted Ferret, uh,
1: a representative of a severely imperiled group of individuals that I'm sure was purchased by my en- enviro-crazy dad in some way that was supportive of that inbred group of, popu- uh, of, of individuals who were uh, decimated but have come back despite the fact that uh, their entire food supply of prairie dogs was killed by farmers.
0: And of course, today's podcast was brought to you by Hank's freaking Snapchat. Hank G R E (laughs) on Snapchat. The future of social media. (laughs) There's a lot of my dog. You'll see a lot of my dog. Oh, boy, Hank, let's have another question. This one comes from Stephanie, who writes, Dear John and Hank, a few months ago, my boyfriend and I moved into a house together in a very quiet village. We're both 20-something, and all our neighbors are 50-plus. We've met them a few times in passing, and they seem very friendly, but I worry that they consider us to be inherently unlikable, or that they disapprove of us living in a primarily retired area, when we are in our prime, as it were. I'll try not to take that personally, Stephanie. (laughs) Have you got any advice for becoming better friends with your neighbors, particularly with older neighbors, who may disapprove of you without any real reason uh, well you don't know for sure that they disapprove of you Stephanie that's the first thing that I'd say like it's possible that you feel this generation gap um, that, that, that they don't feel and that like some of the awkwardness just comes from you thinking of them as like other, which of course they are, because they've been alive more than twice as long as you have, but um, but I think, like, the thing that breaks down that gap to me is spending time together, so I would just try to, like, invite them over for coffee or tea or whatever you do in your country. Yeah. Uh, first, I'll say that
1: I'm just shocked that you're interested at this. Like, when... I don't know. I feel like most young people probably wouldn't be like, oh, how do I make my 58-year-old neighbor like me? That's... How do you think that that's weird, John, or is that am I crazy?
0: No, I think it's good news, though, if we can live in a world where people want to actually have uh, social engagement with their neighbors. I think that's great. Yeah. Um,
1: so so I'll say that you you took a good first step in wanting to have this be the case. And I encourage other people to to know who their neighbors are. Um, but, yeah, I think that it, I wouldn't say that there is. I wouldn't guess that there's dislike, but I would think that there's just like, you know, we're not going to have so much in common. And so we're going to hang out with all of the people around us who we know and and uh, have stuff in common with us. But I will say that I have uh, some really rewarding relationships with people who are, uh, you know, more than 30 years older than me. And uh, it is really cool to be able to have those relationships because that kind of diversity uh, of perspectives and worldviews is really informative and interesting
0: i totally agree hank as i usually do we don't have enough fighting on this podcast we need to find things that we disagree about mm. um speaking yeah. of which we have a question from aaron who writes dear john and hank when is it appropriate to get into an argument on the internet or otherwise <laughs> what well, is worth fighting we'll for First off, it- god bless you aaron for for uh, yeah for even asking that question instead of just getting into a fight on the internet, which is what everyone else is doing.
1: Right. Well, maybe we should get into a fight about this question, John. But we will probably will agree. Um, I will say that that oftentimes people say that the the reason you argue on the internet isn't about convincing the person you're arguing with; it's about convincing the bystanders, and that is bull. That's just a bunch of honky. And I am like when i see that argument i'm like it makes me cringe so hard because like what what you're saying is like that your argument like is this thing that that like that there's it's like a spectator sport like internet
0: arguments it's a public performance
1: yeah and I, and, and to me like the 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 argument as public performance is such an evil kind of an evil way to think about public discourse which is what we're talking about and and when you should argue on the internet, the only reason you should argue on the internet is if you come out of the argument with a more nuanced view of the world and a better appreciation of the perspective and the values of the person you were arguing with. In other words, never. Like you, it's like that's what you should be aiming for, and that's never what's happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you should uh, argue on the internet if you can do so uh, respectfully and thoughtfully, and like Hank said, like emerge from it. Um with a more nuanced understanding of the world around you, which is very, very rare. Um, but I don't think that it's impossible, and I don't quite think that it's never. Um, because I, 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 for one, um, for many, many years, like, I felt that the critique around uh, work that Hank and I did was just incredibly uh, generous and, and thoughtful, but at the same time, like, uh, you know, wasn't like a bunch of, People just agreeing with us to agree with us like lots of when we would we would be wrong at times and it would be pointed out to us in ways that were respectful and thoughtful and then I think when we were at our best at least or when we are at our best at least like we can we can listen to that internalize it and um and change and I do think that can happen in online discourse I have seen it in my own life I know that it is rare um, I know that the the quality of conversation online is notoriously uh, poor and and sometimes it's so bad that you just have to remove yourself from the conversation Which frankly is what I've, I've felt like I've had to do in the, in the last few months and um, and and to be honest I think my life is better for it, but like I don't believe that um, That there is no uh good or interesting right. or uh, Critical conversation happening online.
1: I agree. I agree um, but It's sort of implicit in Aaron's question is, you know, what is worth fighting for? Like when you see something that just it feels like that shall not stand. I must do something about this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot that's worth fighting for. But I don't think that the right way to have the fight is to scream at people on the Internet and try to prove to them that they're wrong. The right way to have the fight is. is you know in how you live your life and in your values and in how you vote and in the conversations that you have um with people who are willing to be open and listen and and when you are willing to be open and So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name-brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you and prioritize your health and you can search by location availability and insurance so literally no compromises here because with ZocDoc you've got more options than you know ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you ZocDoc.com slash DearHank
1: I agree. Uh, We have another question. This one is from Shanella who says We speak a different language in our house. Over time, I've lost some of that language and get by every day only through basic conversational phrases. I really like and value my relationship with my parents, but I find that I can't always talk about different opinions and complicated topics because I have trouble explaining myself. It feels like I'm a different person with my friends than I am at home, where I somehow dumb down and can't express my personality and thoughts. People say that who you are at home is more representative of your actual identity. Do you agree? How do I show more of my personality at home, and can I have an honest relationship with my parents? I think that's really hard. What a
0: great question! such interesting listeners.
1: Yeah, it's such an interesting. And I, I had a friend when I was growing up who was in this situation, uh, more with his grandparents than with his parents, who also lived in his house, um, who he was basically unable to communicate with. Um, but that, uh, that is, that is a. Uh, it's a it's a tension that I obviously never had to deal with uh, speaking one language uh, and and nothing else and and being raised in a very homogenous little world. Um, but the, you know there there is there is a universality in in some of this, which is uh, which is like, do you feel like you like like what is your ad- identity and uh, and if you lose that in your home life, if you sort of can't have that in your home life. Like, what does that mean for you?
0: Yeah, I actually think that this would be a good time to uh, use our listeners and our hashtags, Hank, um, because we're not going to be able to give much direct advice here. But maybe uh, hashtag um, advice f- number four, Chanela Advice for Chanela, Shanela, S-H-A-N-E-L-A, uh, could be a good source of advice because I think uh, we're not going to have much uh, direct to say about this. But I, I don't agree at all that who you are at home is it needs to be most representative of your actual identity. And also, I mean, there's something in, in, inherent about uh, the limits of, of language for everyone um, that, that, that sort of circumscribe the way that we are able to um, talk about ourselves and... Um, and express our, you know, concerns and passions uh, to other people, um, but that's far, far more complicated um, when you know you f- you don't have the the skills in the language uh, to to do that with the kind of nuance that you feel like you need to. Um, so I think it would be a really interesting thing to hear from other listeners about who've maybe had direct experience with it.
1: I agree with you, John. We have one, possibly one more question. And this one is from Toby, who asks, Dear Hank and John, in meteorology, climate models predict future events based on current conditions. The models are created and tuned using past weather conditions. However, climate change will begin, or more likely has begun, to change the climate. Uh, So if pre-climate change weather events of an An area can no longer accurately reflect current or future weather. Our weather models will become inaccurate. So my question is, will we no longer be able to have forecasts? What kind of economic and sociological problems will this pose? Toby, you... This is such a minor problem on the, on the scale of climate change. It is a thing to be somewhat concerned with, especially when it comes to local forecasts and local weather people who know their local weather patterns and sort of know what to expect, uh, and they will potentially be wrong more often. But compared with, say, you know, having to build a wall around New York City uh, or, like, not having water fall on crops... Uh, I'm less
0: worried about this particular problem. Well, but I think, no, the larger issue I I think that Toby is talking about is a concern about uh, not just like being able to have forecasts, but... um, forecasts being very useful for uh not just like people who like want to go to the beach but uh <laughs> farmers who need to understand yeah uh, you know what the what, what the rainfall levels will likely be during certain months of the year and the but the
1: other thing to to note is that weather and climate are very different things and it is it, you know that the patterns that we see that we can sort of understand in terms of our you know in terms of like forecasting you know one or two or five days out um those things actually won't change. Like like high pressure systems, low pressure systems, like what those things bring, what the, you know, cold fronts, and like that stuff's gonna like we'll be able to see that coming. We'll be able to do these short-term predictions. Uh, predicting climate and predicting weather are, are very very separate things. So I'm actually I'm not super concerned about
0: this. Um, and that's but predicting climate is really important for uh, farmers. Predicting weather, you right? Mean. Like. No climate, like the likelihood that there will be like in certain years because of larger uh, climate patterns, there will be uh, more rain or less rain in certain seasons, right? Like the rainy season. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I am not a scientist, but the rainy season, you know, may may move in um, in Eastern Africa depending on whether there's, you know, the the right. the, the temperature of the ocean water is this or yeah, that yeah or whatever
1: yeah i mean that's sort of an in, that's that a, seems
0: like a big problem that's an
1: me. in-betweeny place that's a that's a place in between uh what we would call like i think meteorology versus climate science uh so yeah i mean whether i mean like the the atmosphere is a very dynamic and changeable and weird thing um and uh and our understandings of it generally uh generally reach out to like Two days from now, <laughs> in terms of actually like like predictive science, but um, but you know larger larger weather patterns can can have these sort of like uh, you know you can sort of make a bet you know you can bet one way or another, and that is that is a concern, and I I hadn't thought about it, so thank you to Toby for bringing that up.
0: But Hank, you are on record as saying that you think that uh, climate change is going to be a fairly big deal in the in the coming century.
1: I am on record as says th- saying that yes, that is a. As a safe position, <laughs> uh,
0: I wanted to ask you about some some stuff I've read recently. Here's the biggest question that I have: Do you think? And 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 again, I don't know much about climate science, so I might be way off here. But do you think there's any way that we could have Taylor Swift do concerts <laughs> everywhere? You know, so that like after she left, there would be these like months of of. Joyous, beautiful blue skies. Well, I think
1: that'd be a huge problem. If if Taylor Swift uh, did simultaneous concerts everywhere, and then there was two months straight of blue skies, we would run out of water real yeah. quick. That would be called that would be called the Swiftocalypse, and uh, and it would just
0: most people would die. So you you would be opposed. to... <laughs> To that. I do like the idea, though. Okay. I like the I just thought check because I'm trying to figure out, like, maybe there's a different band that brings rain the way that Taylor Taylor's uh, concert brought this incredibly uh, beautiful weather to Indianapolis. And so, anyway, I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep just keep it in the back of your mind because I know there's lots of different approaches to what we're gonna do with climate change. I know that there's <laughs> you know lots of people working hard on lots of solutions, but I'm just saying this is well, maybe we need one a div-
1: more diverse, uh, diverse you know roundup of music acts that affect the weather we need some people who who make it warmer some people who make it rain some people who uh who who uh make it cooler
0: you know so
1: so we yeah we we need diversity
0: and it seems at least it appears that all all taylor can do is bring you know blue blue cloudless skies and beautiful early fall weather so we're gonna need someone who can reliably deliver the rain I am gonna, I'm going to work on that. That'll be my project for the next few uh, weeks while you work on other solutions to climate change. Should we move on to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon?
1: Hey, John, do you think it's time for the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon?
0: Yes, although we should acknowledge that um, what's happened is that uh, Hank broke something in his podcasting because he's incompetent, and I'm very competent, and I'm the good one, and he's the bad one. And so we've had to uh, do the news from the glorious future, where we are here physically together uh, at NerdCon Stories in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hank, what is the news from Mars? Uh,
1: the news from Mars. Let me see if I can remember what the news from Mars was. I,
0: I actually do remember. What was it. it? Nope I'm not gonna make it <laughs> oh. easy for you but basically the news from Mars was this amazing thing about uh, the, the, Mars oh, doesn't right. have a magnetic field yes. and that's why the atmosphere that was once on Mars sort of blew away due to solar winds. After I do this you're gonna do the news from AFC Wimbledon. And um, what we learned is that this may be because Mars used to have this heavy metal core, um, and then magma, and then a crust, and that sort of solid, liquid, solid vibe is what allowed this magnetic field to exist, but now it's solid, at least in parts all the way down, although there are parts of Mars that are still magnanimous, that doesn't mean what I thought it meant. Anyway, um, so uh, we're starting to try to understand Um, why that happened in the hopes that we can eventually build a Martian atmosphere, maybe, that doesn't blow away. And that's the news from Mars.
1: Those roughly... uh, he skipped a little step, which is that now there is no longer a magnetic field because Mars is mostly solid all the way through. Uh,
0: Maybe you did say that, and I just misunderstood. I did say that. I I nailed the news from Mars. What's the news from Nancy Wimbledon? How did we do in our last couple games? Uh, You... Tied, which
1: uh, one of them, yes. which was against another team. That's right. And that was a little disappointing. Yes, but then the other one. But then the other one, you won. What was the score? I think it was 3-1. It was 2-0, but you got the you got the spread, correct? <laughs> and uh, and that means that AFC Wimbledon now has a zero goal differential. That's right. Which means that they've scored the same number of goals that they have given up. That's right and they are solidly in the middle of the
0: pack of tier two tier four tier four english football oh god can you imagine the days when we might be a second tier english football club hank Uh, the glory all right the glory that awaits afc wimbledon but yes we beat barnet and tied northampton town and rosianna uh, how's how's barnet pronounced bonnet so we beat Bonnet, yeah, like bonnet, like so the thing beat, you wear on your head. Yeah, so we we dominated bonnet. We beat them two 0 and um, now uh, how do we say Northampton?
1: Northampton.
0: Oh, okay, that was we were close on that one. Yeah. All right. So that's the news from Mars and Nancy Wimbledon. Sorry, Hank's uh, podcasting equipment broke, but uh, you know this wasn't bad. I had oh, a, in yeah. the original one, I had a great joke about how if we just put Black Sabbath at the center oh, God, of Mars, yeah. that was really good. Uh, then potentially we could have an atmosphere on Mars again because we'd have the heavy metal core.
1: Yes. Right and then I made a joke about about what's in their mini fridge.
0: Yeah, which, which was funny in context, but not really funny no. when we summarize it. So, with that uh, with that uh, noted, we are going to go ahead and end the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. You can always write us your questions, comments, concerns, recommendations for short poems at hankandjohn at gmail.com.
1: Uh, this podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins, who's been a real trooper in getting this together, despite the fact that we're doing it uh, partially at NerdCon Stories. Uh, the theme music is by Gunnarola. Uh, and and Maureen Johnson, what do they say in our hometown? Oh, don't forget to be awesome.
0: Did I do it right? That was great. That was <laughs> <All right. laughs>